Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can also support the podcast through the website. Just click donate at CanadaEHX.com. Today I'm speaking with David Peck. He's an international development consultant, a public speaker, and a writer. He hosts the podcast Face to Face, where he does interviews with people who are involved in entertainment, politics, and social change. He's helped various organizations, including World Vision, and he helped create So Change, a social enterprise that works alongside members of the corporate and non-government communities in areas such as social change, entrepreneurship fundraising, and advocacy. We talk about the various things he's involved in, including the books he's written, and what we can all do to make the world a better place. So let's get straight to the interview with David Peck. I guess first question, how did you get involved with World Vision Canada? So I've been I've been a uh, development worker for for many years, and uh, so I wow it goes all the way back to uh, a trip that I took in 1989 when I was on strike as an electrician, and I was just into my apprenticeship, yeah, about two and a half years, and we went on strike, and I was I was strike, and I was approached by someone who said, hey, you know what, ever thought of going overseas to help work, uh, you know, mm-hmm. volunteer. And this was way before volunteer organizations like Mito We existed and so on. And so uh, I, I said yes. And I was on strike for three months and I packed my tools and I went with a small group of people and we helped to build a, a medical clinic. That's where the seed was planted for the work that I went on to do professionally uh, post 2006 when I finished my postgraduate work in international project management. So that's the the longer uh, answer to a very short sort of question. I'm not, I'm no longer... I'm, I'm no longer with them, mm-hmm. uh, but I've, I've worked with over 60 organizations uh, and in about 45 countries, actually, in the last 20 years. And it's been a real privilege. It really has. It's a, a huge opportunity to see how most of the world lives has been. Um, yeah, it's been exciting. And, and uh, I've learned a ton. Absolutely. Um, now you uh, you've been involved uh, with putting together Broken Courage lately. So how did uh, how did that film come about? Yeah, you know it it it's it's gone through so many different iterations. But essentially, once again, it's part of the reason why I do the work that I do. You know, a uh, question I would have for you, Craig, is what do you think is going to come out of our conversation today? And mm-hmm. and you know the truth is we both don't know. And, and what I love about this kind of work, uh, pursuing any kind of personal story, whatever that is, there are seeds that are going to be planted along the way here today. Just this, this digital friendship that you and I have, a relationship that we've now started on. You know, where is this going to lead us? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, what, let's water that. Let's, let's nurture it. Let's see what happens. So I met Soon, Soon Ratana in 2003, and we went to a place called the Siem Reap War Museum. My wife and I, Elizabeth, uh, we were about three weeks in Cambodia. I met Elizabeth. She went to teach in Singapore. She came back home and we said, you know what? We're going to explore Southeast Asia one day. A couple of years later, here we are in Cambodia for several weeks. And we go to the Siem Reap War Museum. I meet this man by the name of Soon Ratana. And he changed my life. I mean, that's an understatement. We spent about an hour together. 
and he uh, sat down with me and he showed me his bullet holes. He took off his prosthetic leg. He, he applauded me and the country that I came from for being one of the people to sign the Landmine Treaty Act. Um, he was a beautiful soul and mm -hmm. we connected. And for the next 10 years, that story did its narrative meaningful, soulful work, and it had a huge impact on me. And I retold that story time and time again. And 10 years after that, in 2014 and change, uh, I was back in Cambodia doing some development work. And I, I, it, it was getting late in the afternoon. I had a couple more days and I said, boy, I wonder if that guy, that guy works <laughs> at that museum. And I hopped in a tuk-tuk and it's, a, it's, it's kind of a long story, but it's a beautiful story. Sun's going down. We pull in. We couldn't find the place. I couldn't remember where it was. The tuk-tuk driver couldn't either. We found it, though, in this small town. And I could see this guy from a distance. And I thought, wow, I wonder. You know, it's been 10 years. Soon as my face met his face, instantly <laughs> I knew it was the guy. Mm -hmm. and, and I gave him a couple of minutes. He was uh, quickly getting drunk with a, a, a friend there at the table, smoking <laughs> cigarettes, drinking beer, uh, cheap uh, Australian beer, I think. And, and I came around sort of the corner. And as soon as my eyes met his, I said, you don't remember me. We met 10 years ago. We sat right over there on that, on that uh, fence post. And slowly the smile grew on his face. And you know, if he wasn't Cambodian, I think he would have stood up and given me a great big warm hug. <laughs> um, but but to say that the beginning of of what was a long uh, relationship uh, really started there, mm -hmm. and a deep friendship, and and a trip later, I was back in country and I was with a videographer and I said, you know, Sean, come and meet my friend, and if you believe in his story the way I do, let's make a movie together. And that's that's kind of how it started. So it's rooted in relationship, really. Um, um, I'm not I'm not really a filmmaker, but I'm kind of becoming one. I'm a storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, so people who seeing uh, Broken Courage, what do you hope they they get out of uh, out of seeing it? What do you hope they learn from it? Yeah, so so no one's actually seen it yet. Mm -hmm. So we are we're close to to, to releasing it. Uh, we're still going doing some of that that those few final sort of tweaks, I guess you could say, in post production. I'm still trying to raise money for it to finish it off. We've got some really talented people involved, Craig. Mm -hmm. Super super talented. We have Joshua Snetlog, a composer and a color corrector. I just I'd love to tell you all their stories because they're they're gifted people who are uh, donating some of their time. But I'm I'm trying to honor them and raise the funds to, to make sure they get paid wisely, you know, and well. Mm -hmm. um, what am I hoping? I'm hoping that people will, will come away from a story like this saying, you know, there's, there's more going on than meets the eye. I had no idea about this country called Cambodia, this kingdom of wonder, uh, the, 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 the tragic history that they went through, and yet they're situated in, in, in this place of opportunity. And, and the, the future really is bright for Cambodia if they choose to make the right steps and if they walk into it in, you know, in a particular way, like all of us, right? It's, mm -hmm. I mean, this film is about freedom. It's about choice. It's about responsibility. There's a historical edge to this, Craig. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet who know nothing about what happened in Cambodia. You know, William Shawcross, a historian, uh, uh, wrote the book Sideshow. Cambodia was referred to by Nixon as a sideshow, mm -hmm. as a carnival analogical reference, uh, you know, a, a circus-like reference. Oh, Cambodia is just a sideshow. Well, mm -hmm. you know what? 
hundreds of thousands of people died, millions of people uh, really died because of illegal American bombing, because of the Khmer Rouge, because of the civil war, because of landmines. So there's all those sort of factual things that I hope people take away from this story. And, and I hope they have this sense where they say, I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that what a, a great historian's all about? Uh, but I really am hoping that people see themselves in this man's story, as I have. Mm-hmm. And, and they see that, that, that they, they have their own set of wounds that needs healing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they have their own dysfunction that needs attention, if, mm-hmm. if that makes any kind of sense. So the idea of similarity through difference is a really important notion for me with respect to, to broken courage. Absolutely. Uh, so I know for myself, COVID has impacted what I do. How has it impacted uh, kind of what you do with, uh, with writing, with all the things that you're involved in? Yeah. So in some ways good, I think, and in some mm-hmm. ways not so good, you know, um, I, you know, I spent no joke an eight hour uh, zoom call with Nathaniel Draper, who's the co-director and editor, super, super talented uh, guy, filmmaker who, who was able to live in Cambodia for, for several months alongside Soon and a few others. He's a beautiful cinematographer as well, talented guy. And um, we spent eight hours, uh, one day, editing, talking about the film, going through it, you know, frame by frame almost, and mm-hmm. saying, oh, hang on, stop, what about this? Uh, isn't there a better shot of this? So, so in a sense, it's sort of almost pushed us into this digital space of where it actually works, you know, mm-hmm. where, where something like story editing and editing actually is, 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 is easier in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if the two of us were in a, the same room, it would make more sense. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of given us a little bit of, um, mm, I guess, space to step into the, the actual practical work that's required. But truth told, uh, we were... 10 days away from going on a trip and COVID started, you know, when did we start hearing about it? Maybe December, January, Mm -hmm. we were actually on, I was on my way to Myanmar and Cambodia. Uh, Nate was going to meet me there. He had purchased his ticket even, I think. (laughs) And uh, I have a feeling he may have lost a few hundred dollars on that. And I was this close to buying a ticket (laughs) and COVID hit. So we just decided, you know what? We can't get any more footage. Mm -hmm. We've got what we need. Let's finish this film. Uh, what about So Change? Uh, I read that you're kind of involved or were involved in uh, in So Change. What what is So Change? So so that's kind of connected back to your original question. You know, back way back in 1989, this seed was planted to to become you know a, a development worker of a, of a of a particular sort, some a change maker of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I was doing my postgraduate work. My master's degree was in philosophy, and and I started to do some more thinking and reading around ethics, and and wondered, you know, how might I step into a PhD program? What what will be next for me? And no joke, I was reading a magazine called Utney Reader. I don't even know if it exists anymore. <laughs> And it was a compilation of uh, essays and poetry and and so on. And there was a big advertisement. And the advertisement read, Craig, no joke, so you want to change the world. And I picked up the phone and I called the phone number and it was Humber College. It was their international project managed program. And a, and a, a man by the name of Rupin Das answered the phone. He's written the forward to a book that I published called Real Changes Incremental. Rupin and I have become good friends. He picked up the phone. We chatted for about 20 minutes. He said, David, you must come in and, and have a coffee with me. 
and, and, and Craig, the rest is history, you know, <laughs> at the risk of sounding incredibly cliche, but yeah. that was the beginning of so change. And so change was, and in still is a small company that I created to, to work alongside and help to build capacity with other mostly charities, but from time to time, I've been hired by, by corporate entities as well. So fundraising, uh, proposal writing, monitoring and evaluation, event planning, those kinds of things. And, and I'm trying to focus it even more now in, in these, these last, in these next few years, I hope. Uh, now you did mention that you, uh, you had written a book uh, and I believe you're writing a book or in the process of writing a book now. Uh, and kind of just tell me a bit about that and how that process is going. And I'm guessing you have a lot of time at home now because of COVID. So is that helping uh, kind of with the process? Yeah, no, no kidding. Eh? A lot, a lot of time <laughs> on our hands. Um, I, you know, I don't want for, for ID ideas and uh, I'm, I have too many. Uh, I think, and uh, most of them are probably miserable ideas, but you know, <laughs> I write all of them down. Um, so yes, I'm doing a few things, trying to finish the film, raising funds for that, uh, you know, working on a whole new equity, inclusion and diversity kind of initiative around my, my own uh, work that I do with So Change and so on. And, and working on a book called uh, Minimum Impact, actually. That's the working title right now. And hopefully somebody who hears this doesn't steal it on me. But that's the, uh, that's the working title. And essentially, it's about the nonprofit sector and how I feel that it is stuck in about a 200-kilometer transactional rut, if mm -hmm. that makes any sense at all. And it's time to smarten up and to open uh, your eyes, take off your lenses and see the world as it really is, if mm -hmm. that makes uh, uh, any any sense at all. But uh, so I'm I'm well into that, about twenty thousand words into it. But yes. but you know, I don't know if you've written uh, uh, Craig before, but it's it's it's. I find writing really really hard. I don't know it's, about you. It's a process <laughs> for sure. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Some days are better right? than others. <laughs> nope, no kidding. Have you read um Have you read Stephen King's book on writing? I have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, isn't it isn't it amazing like the the way he weaves his personal story into into becoming a better writer and one mm -hmm. of the things that really stuck with me in the book is um you know write one page every day and at the end of a year you'll have a book 365 pages and i i want to say stephen that that works in principle <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but but yeah. it's it's a lot harder to do right it's oh yeah it's pretty challenging but i but i appreciate his discipline it's just mm -hmm. it's remarkable what the guy has put out yeah some days you write like 120 words and some days you write 2000 it's 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 it, a crapshoot <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know how I don't know how professional writers do it. It's it's tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with all the distractions these days. Oh, so many. <laughs> and yeah, so so many distractions. It's true. Yeah, we're living in a pretty crazy uncertain time, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh, and so uh, it's it's actually kind of rare. We usually when I interview people, they are historians or they've written books or things like that. I don't usually get to interview people who do what I do. So you also have a podcast called Face to Face. So tell me a bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you tell that I juggle a few balls? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a uh, bit of bit of a circus act over here. Yeah. Um, so face-to-face -face comes out of, once again, one of those interesting relationships, you know, a guy by the name of Andrew Guthrie, he and I, 87 and a half years ago, sitting, his company was called Page Design at the time, and, and we were talking about 
social media, about getting out on the street and, and, and just raising awareness about who I am and the work that I do. And, he, and ah, David, you know what? You should start a podcast. And, and it was that conversation that led me to find a, a crummy recorder and a few crummy microphones and, 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 and start interviewing people. But, but as I look back, it actually dates back way back into the way back into the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mid nineties when I interviewed a guy by two magicians, actually by, by the name of David Ben and Patrick Watson. And I had that published and I think I've always loved conversation, Craig, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too. And, and I, I love podcasting. I just can't tell you how much I love. Sorry. I love interviewing. I don't <laughs> love all the other stuff around it. You know, I don't, I love asking, I love asking questions. My background's in philosophy, you know, Neo says the, or sorry, Trinity says in the matrix, it's the question that drives us. Mm-hmm. I, I really love this kind of interaction and getting to know my guests and then hoping and trusting that seeds will be planted you know, with others to, to go out and read that book, to watch this film, to, to change the world in some way. So yeah, I just published, in fact, I'm going to be publishing my 536th interview today. Oh, I thought, you know, I'm at 248 episodes on mostly Canadian history. Yeah. It's mostly Canadian history, but a bunch of interviews now too. So yeah, I I thought I was like, wow, a ton of episodes, but you you got me beat there. (laughs) You know, what's so, you know, what's so cool. Canadian history is anything but boring. Mm -hmm. And yet isn't, isn't that the comment that you hear a lot about Canadian history? Oh, it's not as exciting as, you know, uh, British or especially American history. Right. But when you start to peel back some of the layers, we got a pretty crazy history too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, that's what I try and do with my show is really focus, not so much on like, Hey, this is how Canada was made, but focus more on the unique stories, the indigenous stories. Uh, the one that I always like to tell people is, um, Ken Carter, the mad Canadian who tried to jump the St. Lawrence in a rocket car. Like that's to me, the perfect example of a Canadian history story. Like just, it's crazy. It's wild. It's interesting. And yeah, like you said, people think it's boring. (laughs) I don't, I I don't know that one, but uh, uh, I'm going to definitely look that, that, that episode up for sure. Um, There's a documentary on the national film board app called devil at your heels, all about that. Definitely watch it. It's uh, fascinating. When Evil Knievel okay. says that it's too dangerous to do something, you know that this was a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> this was a very bad idea. Yeah. That, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, so you're involved in a lot of things. Uh, what do you feel people can do to, like, small things to help, uh, big things to help? Like, what can people do in their day-to-day lives to, to make a difference, like, uh, like a lot of the organizations that you're involved with and have been involved with do? It's a big question and it's a hard one to answer in a, a, a simple way. And that is the honest truth. I think, you know, looking closer, listening and, and just leaning in and paying a little more attention to what's going on around us. I think, you know, all the conversations currently around equity and inclusion and diversity and so on, decolonization even, you know, it's about listening. It's about asking better questions and if we need, if we want to get to any kind of place where we can talk about reconciliation or forgiveness, you know, with our our, our First Nations, Métis, and Inuit uh, folk in, in Canada, we need to understand first. And this is why work that you're doing is so important. You know, you're telling these stories, and so, you know, Richard Wagami said it's kind of our logline for the film in a way, or at least the driving. Um, 
sort of logline is that stories are meant to heal. And, and I think if we listen, and that's why I'm so passionately committed to telling soon Rattana's story and broken courage, because I think if we just, if we pay a little more attention, it's going to make a difference. Practically, I would say get, get, get active locally if you can. If you can afford the time or the effort, you know, step into a local organization. Maybe it's a food bank. Maybe, maybe it's a, a rotary club. Uh, there, are, there are absolutely a lot of different ways you can step in if you can afford the time. Not everyone can. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, don't feel guilty if you can't. There's no shame in not being able to step in, but but I think it, it, it timing is everything. You know, obviously some people are called to donate. Some people are called to donate lots of money to the right organization. I would really encourage people to do your research. You know, if 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 you think, oh, gee, I want to give to this initiative in Burkina Faso, well, maybe you need to do a bit of research on this first. And and I mean, most people do, but mm-hmm. oddly. What I've found after working 20 years in the nonprofit sector, Craig, a lot of people are like, oh, well, if you asked me and if I trust you, then you know what? Here you go. Here's a a check. Like that is how the nonprofit sector has been funded for years. And I don't think it's sustainable. We know it's not sustainable. And so, uh, but it's still important. So those are listen, get active locally, step in financially. Those Those are three ways and just become more aware. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a fourth way, but I think that's connected to, you know, listening and, 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 and staying, you know, looking closer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when we look at trying times like, uh, you know, the Black Death, it happens and then we get the Renaissance, you know, we get the Spanish flu, which brings us better healthcare reforms and better knowledge of healthcare. Mm-hmm. What do you think will come from, from COVID? Uh, like it is a tough time for a lot of people, but it's an opportunity to maybe change a lot of things. What can we learn about bettering ourselves and bettering Canada and even the world through, through COVID? I'll tell you what I've learned. Stay focused. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that the stuff that's the stuff, and I I use that in the most affectionate possible way that I can, stuff meaning family, friends, uh, things that I'm reading, things that I'm working on. I've, I've been paying more attention in my, taking, trying to take my own advice actually. And, you know, spending time with my family, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the things that have come out of this for me, uh, Craig is, you know, uh, two, two walks a day uh, with the dog, Uh, with at least Elizabeth, my wife, and maybe Spencer and Victoria for about six months. We were doing that twice a day as a family. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, that's not necessarily going to bring us our next, you know, uh, Archimedes-like moment. But boy, Mm -hmm. you know, isn't discovery a wonderful, interesting thing? And and I believe that, you know, uh, discoveries come out of those moments where we indwell these relationships that matter and we go, wow, I just connected a few dots here. Now what? So uh, I think there are going to be a lot of discoveries. I think there are going to be, I trust, I hope uh, for as much, you know, negativity that COVID is creating and as many deaths that have have, have occurred, et cetera, et cetera. I do hope uh, that and trust that others will say, you know what, this is, this was a call to me to, to slow down and to pay a little more attention to those around me and to the people that I care for. And, and, and gee, what else have I been missing along the way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, so, so I'm, I'm really hopeful in that sense because wow, what are we six months away, eight months away from actually sort of being back to normal, whatever that means. I was talking to a consultant yesterday 
And he said, we're not going back. There is no such thing as the new normal, you know? Um, It's just, everything's changed. So now what? So I'm excited about the questions we haven't even asked yet. If that makes uh, sense, that's kind of a uh, maybe an obtuse (laughs) obtuse thing, but... But I think time, time and, 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 and spending time with others can take us to some pretty amazing, beautiful places. Absolutely. For if, we, if we do it right, it can certainly be a eureka moment for, for a lot yeah, of us in our and, lives. And absolutely. The eureka moments could be huge, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, lots of us are going to do it wrong, uh, whatever that means. Uh, but I think a heck of a I'm hopeful. How's that? <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> um, now, I, uh, I've always thought that I've kind of been involved in a lot of things, but uh, reading your bio and everything, it seems like you're involved in a ton. And one of the more interesting ones is that you're also a professional mu- or musician, a professional magician. So how did that, how did you kind of get involved in, in, doing, in doing magic? You know, I don't like the phrase, it's a part of my DNA because of the deterministic <laughs> implications to that. However... I saw somebody do a magic effect at a very young age, and then he taught me how to do it in, in I was about nine, I think at the time. Uh, but, but preceding that, uh, I was about, I'm going to say five or six, and I was at a church uh, party, and there was a magician there, and it was a woman, believe it or not, which is very progressive, to be honest with you. This is a long time ago, but she was dressed as a bunny. Uh, not so progressive, maybe. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> dressed as a bunny. And she did this effect where she tore up a piece of paper and all this colored paper started to come out of her mouth. And Craig, I was six and I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm getting goosebumps telling you, what is going on? This is the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. And that seed was planted. And uh, about three years later, there was this uh, guy who was a friend of the family. We called him uncle. He wasn't an uncle. And he taught me how to do this trick called the professor's nightmare, uh, as I find out. And I'll tell you what, Craig, you got to you gotta get a couple Canadian magicians on your podcast and and learn about Cana- the Canadian history of magic and about Doug Henning and Di Vernon. And just there's there's so many wonderful, crazy stories. But there's a yeah, the, the magic has been a part of my life since I was about nine. That's a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting right here next to a, a, a pack of cards and <laughs> a couple of coins, and I'm always doing something. It's, it's, it really does get in your blood. And it's, there's something about fooling people that's really rewarding. And, you know, it's sort of analogous to getting a golf shot right. There's all these things that have to happen in order to get that ball right on the green mm-hmm. two meters away from the hole. Same kind of thing with a, with a card effect or when you vanish a coin. There's a lot going on in order to make that work. And uh, so I, I have a deep love uh, for for. for the performance art and the craft of magic. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's been a huge part of my life. And uh, as you can see, 20% of this library behind me, at least maybe more is just books on how to fool people, you know, sleight of hand. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you that rich tradition, check out, check out the discovery of witchcraft. Look that up. It was written right around the same time that Descartes wrote the the meditations for heaven's sakes. And, and 
we've been people have been fooling other people for hundreds of years. It's it's amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then the last question is: yeah. if people are interested in Broken Courage, if they're interested in getting in touch with you, they want to find your podcast, uh, any of the organizations you're involved in, kind of the whole gambit. Yeah. How does how do uh, people yeah, find out about all of it? Thanks. Yeah, pre- appreciate the opportunity for the shout out. So if you'd like to buy a copy of the book, it's called Real Changes Incremental. You can get that on Amazon. And then uh, face-to-facelive.ca is the website for mostly what I do. Uh, I'm currently kind of going through a whole website refresh and things are going to change, but face-to-facelive.ca, it's on all the usual platforms like mm-hmm. you are, I would imagine, mm-hmm. you know, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. And then, um, yeah, brokencouragethemovie.com is the uh, website for the time being. You'll see a little bit of a teaser trailer. You can donate there. You'll see four or five different people who are involved. And there's going to be some updates there as well. You know, Craig, honestly, we don't know where we're going to go COVID-wise. We really hope that we'll be submitting to some film festivals in the very near future. But nobody really knows what. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen. So real changes, incremental Amazon face to face live.ca for the podcast, broken courage, the movie.com for, for more on the film. I hope you enjoyed that interview with David Peck. And if you did, please leave a rating and review. You can reach me at Craig at Canada, You can visit my website where you'll find all my podcast episodes, as well as hundreds of articles on Canada's history. Just go to Canada, And again, you can support the podcast by going to Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. Just like all of these wonderful people have. Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.